0: You'd see people, that you thought, were stayed individuals, you know, who live a very very correct life and never cause any trouble. And you see them romping around in circles with extra flags and screaming their heads off. You know? <laughs> it's extraordinary what a hurling match can do for people.
1: I think on the day, we were prepared for a 70 minute and it was do or die. This is either going to
2: make us yeah. or break us.
3: She made one, one cock up that was with you for years and years and in some cases never forgotten by the by the public
4: either. Hello everybody and welcome. Welcome wherever you may be, welcome to join us here in Croke Park, Dublin, on this All-Ireland hurling final day, and as we come on the air, we look down on a glorious sun beating down beautifully on the Arcane Boys Band, the Pipers Band, and the men from Wexford and the men from Cork, marching round this crowded arena here as a preliminary to the game that could well be the game of the
5: century. This is the story of a team, a story of a county more than 50 years ago. But more than that, this is a story of a match which lifted the entire county and enthralled the whole country. People drove to this match on tractors and bicycles, leaving three or four days beforehand. Mass was set at 6.30 on that Sunday morning to give those on trucks and cars time to drive up to Croke Park. And all of those who couldn't go to the match gathered and wrapped in kitchens and parlours to listen to me hallow here on Radio Eyre and to listen to those Wexford men, the Wexford heroes, do battle for their county.
4: Now, the band just taking a short sweep to go across to the far side of the pitch and as the crowds cheer, the best thing we can do is get on with giving you the line-outs of the teams, both sides playing as selected. First of all, the All-Ireland champions and holders of the title, the Leinster champions, Wexford in goal, Art Bowley. Right-back Bobby Rackard, full-back Nick O'Donnell, and left-back is Mick Morrissey. The half-line on the right, Jim English, the captain of the team. In the center, Willie Rackard, and on the left, Jim Morrissey. The center field, Seamus Hearn and Ned Wheeler. The half-forward line on the right is Podge Joe. In the center is Martin Codd, and on the left is Tim Flood. And the full-forward line at top of the right is Tom Ryan, In full forward is Nicky Rackard and top of the left
1: is Tom Dixon. My name is Jim English. I played uh, with Ratneur St. Anne's and I played right half-back with Wexford uh, for 10 years. I captained the 1956 All-Ireland team for Wexford and I suppose that team is a special team with all Wexford fans.
6: Tim Flood is my name. And I live in Tom and Early Clown Roach, county of Wexford. I never wanted to live anywhere else. In 1956 I was 29, I think, yeah.
2: Yeah, well I'm Martin i I'm, and I'm I'll be 78 in November. And uh, I was born 1929 and a uh, farmer's son and uh, i worked
3: on the land all my life. Wheeler, Ned Wheeler is the name. I was born in Ratdamley County Leakes on the 8th of May 1932. And hurling was the name of the game. We hurled and hurled and hurled.
0: I came on the on the Wexford team as a, as a minor a minor about 1944. I graduated the, the County Minor Hurling. I, I wasn't much of a minor player. I eventually grew grew into myself. Uh, Billy Racker, by the way, is speaking, in case you are aware of strange voices. Yes,
4: here they are! Now, the Artane boys' band swinging round just down in front of us here. The flag's flying, the red and white of Cork and the purple and gold and the pike standards of Wexford. This and was
5: All-Ireland Sunday, band. September it's the 23rd, 1956. Wexford was playing Cork, the greatest team in the country, who threatened all with the country's greatest player, the formidable Christy Wing, who was determined to take his ninth All-Ireland. Now
4: coke go back to the right the roll of the drum and the crowd stands to face the tricolour as ladies and gentlemen we hear our national anthem
2: what had effect on me was standing for the national anthem I learned what when people had said they were knocking at the knees that was the first time I was knocking at the knees
3: well the whole lot had effect on me the parade and
6: the (laughs) national anthem how do you feel Tim? (laughs) Well, for the National Anthem, I always stood to attention and I said a small prayer for Ireland.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fix everyone different. I
6: I used to always bless
1: myself after it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say for my parish, my club, my county, (laughs) and for Ireland. (laughs)
5: And Wexford weren't meant to be there at all. In only five years, the team had gone from losers on the field to playing in four, all Ireland. But this was the big one. Finally, after being beaten by Cork in '54, Wexford had the hunger and confidence to win. Why the
2: '56 final was so important and so much hype about it was because we that year we had beaten Kilkenny. Middle was to the final, and we had beaten Tip in the league final, and only Cork now in the All-Ireland final. Like, if we knew that if we beat Cork, we'd be classed as one of the greatest teams of all time.
7: After the war, in 1945, you must remember, the war wasn't too long over ten years, but when they started to come in 1950, the war wasn't long over. And they lifted um, the, the people, you know, they lifted the whole nation... If you like, and gave them a, a great boost, like you know these big men from Wexford like who could grab the ball out of the out of the air,
5: but that time in fifty four they faced down cork in an all Ireland final is a match which Tim flood still remembers
7: fifty
6: four was a game I shouldn't like to talk about, but it was a game we should have won, and it was our end of it that that lasted, and I was principally me now because I got the chances and i didn't 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 score him, like, you know, I, I missed an open goal in it, like, you know, which, which would have won the match, I always said, you know.
5: They went on to win against Galway in 1955, but to beat that Western county did not have the same honour as beating one of Hurling's big three, Cork, Tipperary and Kilkenny. This final was the match they had to win and the eyes of the whole country were on them. Lifelong Wexford fan Des Broderick spent the weeks before the match cutting out profiles of the players from the Irish press and the Irish Independent. The
8: build-up to the game was also pretty unique, really, because of the fact that there was very little sport available to the public other than hurling a football. It completely took over their lives. So in Wexford Town now, for example, in the weeks leading up to the game, and particularly the week prior to the game, the main street is is very narrow, and the shops are very different from what they are now, and almost every shop, well, every second shop anyway, sold flags, and I can remember distinctly uh, walking up the main street uh, one Saturday evening before the game, and... There were thousands of flags outside the shops for sale. It was like a Mardi Gras, I suppose. Uh, I didn't recognize that at the time, but with hindsight, I suppose it was. And people did buy the flags, and they also bought hats. Usually, sort of paper hats, and sometimes cloth hats. But there was a tremendous amount of excitement.
7: it over
4: the bar for a point Corks first score by Christy Ring from a from a free after five what four and a half minutes of play, leaving the score Wexford one goal of one point, Cork one point.
8: Normally, in Wexford, and I'm sure in most of the counties, the situation would be that there would be an early mass massing or a sort of late mass you know, one about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning and then one about 11 or 12. But on the morning of the All-Ireland, there was a special mass said, so that people uh, could fulfil their obligation. And this invariably would be at about 6 a.m., And as they say, it would be a quick mass, too, and it would be over very quickly, and everybody then would pile into whatever uh, mode of transport they had and get themselves up to Croke Park. Most of the companies um, who employed large numbers of people, and if they had trucks or any type of transport, they invariably made those trucks or lorries available to their workers in order to go to the game. And that was another... uh, important way of getting there they used to put uh, wooden stools or ferns as they would be called in wexford and they used to sit in them and i don't know i don't think it probably would be that comfortable a trip because the roads were as good as they are now uh, but uh, people weren't interested in that. All people were interested in was getting one. It
4: was Cap to keep the sun out of his eyes. Get the ball to Jim Jim up the centre
1: now. Just a few months ago, I was talking to a, a brother. He's, he's he's teaching in Dublin. He was down in Cardiff I Was talking to, and he says, "That Wexford team. Who was the little lad that used to take the ball from Nico O'Donnell You see, Nico has passed out the ball." <laughs> I said, it could be me. I used to be always about four yards away from Nico. And if Nico was caught oh, yeah. out, Bobby yeah. was the same. They North you, Jimmy. Huh? They were like a surrogate sort of mother to you. Well, you see, I, that's it. I was handy. Keep he out with yeah. the it ropes.
6: Out to me now. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> the, there'd be awful arguments of whether Billy or Bobby was the better player, you know.
2: Jim Jim, was Jim, great. Jim, Jim, Jim. Great centre fielder, man. Tim, he'd he moved the ball quicker nearly than anyone. Good? Tim Morris. Oh,
3: Marsh, was Morris was a human yeah. dynamo.
4: Whetford 1-1, Cork, one point in the All-Ireland final, which is just under nine minutes old. The All-Ireland
3: hurling final. Lads would go up to sea
2: and they wouldn't. They'd be really afraid of getting lost in Dublin. And they'd be holding hands. Going. Once you have to train, they'd be lads. they be holding hands or holding on to the tail of his court. There could be 12 of a party of lads, more or less the one parishes aboard. to travel together. <coughs> but uh, the story was told about this fella, that he was from Ballyhogue. Ballyhogue would be in place about eight miles from here now, but he got lost to see, and then he was terribly worried, but he was going down O'Connell Street in the evening and he was looking for his mates. And every pub would see, he'd go in and he'd shout out, "Is there anyone here from Ballyhogue, or did anyone see the Ballyhogue?" <laughs> he'd go in the whole evening. And he'd get left in Dublin. He wouldn't be able to find his way home. Wouldn't be home for two or three days or so. The
4: score one-one for Wexford, one point for Cork. Cooligan a wine, a Gluckerman, August Cooligan a wine, a Kunde Kudrick. Shannon scores a card there, and Mick Cashman takes the puck out, a long one, well up the field.
6: Uh,
3: Nicky Rackard always said a few words before the game and then you were musing to yourself what do I do if, when I get the first ball will I catch it will I stop it will I hit it that was the worry because if you cut, went to catch the ball which I very seldom did and I feel in your hand it sort of disjointed you for a few moments and if you pulled on the ball and missed it you were also disjointed so that was the worry what will I do with the first when the ball comes? I think if you missed it, I might upset the And Jim Brown takes the three
4: well down the field, and Willie Rackett puts those hands up again, and he grabbed that ball. A wonderful effort. He's lost his stick, but he's still hand passing the
1: ball across. Number one, you, you play possibly for your family, you know, because uh, they would be supporting you in every way they could. So for them, then for the parish you, I mean I think I, I would never let down my parish you know you pay for your county but I would never let down my parish uh, it was something I held dear the parish and um, then as I said for the county you you had the responsibility I think uh, you have a responsibility as a captain I suppose uh, just to lead them and, and uh, I suppose be right, I think, on the day and do what's good for the for the game, I think. And that's what that's what it means to us.
6: I remember now I was the only one from Club On and the team, you know. And when you'd be going around marching around the field, someone would shout up oh, Club On, like, you know. And that was the nicest thing you could say for me now, you know, rather than saying something about your name or something, you know. Because um, the parish meant a lot to me again and, and And that was for me alone, like, you know. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you one
1: way that I used to keep the nerves away. I was in playing in the Leinster final in 1954, and this man came up to me and he asked me, was I nervous? And I said, a bit. Uh, And he said to me, well, don't put on your boots till you're ready to go out. So it was a routine I had for all my all-earners, all my game, uh, And I just said to him, why? He says, um, if you put a saddle on a horse, he'll start prancing. If you haven't on your boots, you won't be ready to go.
4: Matt Foohy coming up to take it. In it comes now to Eamon Goulding, standing all alone, 50 yards out. He sends a high ball, but it's gone wide. And it's still 1-2 to 1 point with Wexford the
0: leader. Nerves and... This little man will get on your back everywhere you go, especially the All Ireland final. But the majority of that team will would be pretty experienced, and but nerves, they they do they do get you.
1: I think we take our own counsel. I think we we're individuals uh, when we're getting ready and all like that. But uh, then when you go out that door, you go out as a unit. And we had one ambition, and that was to be Cork in an All-Ireland. So I think we were focused and uh, every man from the goldman to the last player I think were focused and they were going to die or be Cork. I don't
2: think what no matter who you bring into the dressing room it change our mind about anything or have any impression on us at all. We we were done our own thing and we knew what to do and we trusted one another. And that day was no different. The only time it was different was when we left the dressing room to walk on the pitch. The noise was frightening.
3: onto the field I thought there was people lying on my shoulders on the roof of the stands and the walls of both brought of the field the Hogan and, and Canal End in their thousands and that's when the pressure that's when the pressure hit me awfully hard I couldn't believe so many people were crammed into the broke Park. the gates were forced in and the people just ran in into the place and that time they were sitting on the sideline as well which brought the people closer to you you felt a sort of war hemmed in, but then you, watched a few minutes of calling, you didn't hear the crowd even shouting.
2: You'd be trying to keep your mind off the crowd, but you couldn't help looking where people were. There were anywhere that a person could sit, even on the roof of the stands. And at that time, they used to let people in. Still as they come, they were let in. and. They stood under the chairs stand and they stood under the both ends, the canal end and railway end. And they kept coming in and they let 'em in and they kept packing, packing, packing up. And it was frightening to see uh, the canal end. I remember best that they I remember the crowd swaying on it, and we could see this before the match started at all. The barriers, there wasn't enough barriers, I'd say, on it at that time, and the crowd. I get. Pushed down into the all, all the whole thing move towards the pitch and then you'd see him everyone getting back up, trying to get back up on the steps again.
4: Willie Rackett going for it, Ring comes in now, he's got it, he shakes off Jim Inneship, the ball right across to the far side of the field, over it goes, Ro-Regan going out after, 21 yards out, he takes a shot, it's high and it's gone over the bar for a point for court.
2: Point, How were we you all so confident, kind of eh? I never felt any other way in the game. Even when Cork for went ahead, for I felt if we could get a ball on the inside of our line. The half-hour line, I the felt that we would get something. Out, came Nicky was, came out 16, behind me, I remember, oh, and he roared. He'd always be roaring to get the and ball and in. I, I wouldn't know the why the he was team, saying on a day like that, team, team, but from playing with him, with Ray, no, he'd the always stay the inside ball the 14-yard line the and he'd be roaring for the ball, get in here. He'd never come out.
5: But this story really belongs and begins with Nicky Record, the star of the Wexford team, who aged 34, knew that this was his only chance. As one of the most famous hurling families, along with his younger brothers, Billy and Bobby, it was Nicky who dreamed of winning an All-Ireland medal when he was still in school in Kilkenny. It was his schoolboy skill which inspired the boys back home, including his brother, Billy.
0: Nicky was sent to college in St Kieran's, Kilkenny, which, as you know, it was, it was, it was the home, home of hurling. Um... And when he came back, we, yes, we, we'd seen a few photographs in, 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 the, uh, in the Irish Independent at the time. These photographs of Nicky running, coming away with the ball and his stick and his name underneath it triggered off. Oh, in, amazing int- enthusiasm amongst us young lads. We, we were feeding off all that enthusiasm as, as the years went, went past. Nicky, he wasn't a man for small talk, Was I, I remember one, one day... Somebody asked him a question. He parried the question and said, I, I don't really know, but I can tell you this that inside three or four years, we will be All-Ireland champions. I
1: suppose he was the one that was driving things on at the time, you know. And um, he was a, a very strong man. I I say would be the strongest man on the team, one of the strongest men in the country, country at that time, like, you know. And... Uh, he had a, his dream, and he wanted to win in All-Ireland, and uh, it's a dream, and you dream it every night, you know.
9: <laughs> like In sport, it's very important to be instantly recognisable if you're kind of an iconic figure. And because Racker was big and strong, and because he, he um, had the blonde hair, you see, people could recognise him, right? It was the same like with the other great Rexford hurler, Tony Doran, after him, who also played full forward. But Doran had red hair, which meant even a child of 4 or 5 could instantly recognise who he was you know and like it's if you're physically iconic it helps you like if you're a really good sports person it also helps if you're physically kind of distinctive and kind of stand out you know
5: Wexford man Kevin Whelan but to be good at hurling takes years of practice to be good really good you need to start young Billy Rackard like all the team took up the ball and stick when he was a very small child
0: eventually I got on the Rathneur minor team I thought I was Kelly. We won the Senior Championship four times, actually. I stepped with that medal. And I never thought of anything. The pictures came along then, Gary Cooper and all these fellas. That was a bit of a distraction. I only when it to get dark. We'd be hurrying away, pushing back the darkness off the sky.
3: Like we're the only nation in the world that, that play that lovely game. And no matter how other people try to play, they'll never, I think, reach standard of the pro-Irish man. There's something in his genes, in his breeding, that brings the best out when he gets that ash plant in his hand. After all, it's not a, a cheap game to play then. You've got a hurley, you've been out in the countryside, maybe at night time most times, and you cut down a nice little ash plant, made maybe two hurleys out of it. And the hurling ball is made up of pieces of leather with uh, cork and uh, horsehair. That was all that made the most powerful game in the world. Simple thing.
6: At a very young age now, we, we used to range ourselves, the school, our school, like, range matches with, with other players, just practice matches, you know. So that's how we kind of started, and I, I think I was only nine when I played the first one, like, you know.
1: We had nothing else to do but to meet in the field, to play the game, and... Uh, and I remember way back that, you know, at, at the moment Croke Park was talking about games and the, the players are not getting enough games. But back when I was 16 years of age, we ha- used to be playing a match every Sunday. There used to be a game in Dunard, there be a game in Ratcarou, there be a game in, in St Mullins. So we so had a place to go every Sunday. So we were before our time, I think. You know, we were playing the game every every Sunday. You know, but that was that was life. And I suppose our, I know my father would have been a great hurler and would Ludigan. load again. And uh, I suppose if we didn't follow his path, would there be something wrong? So it's the same with every player, I think. And I went down a few
3: times, a lot of times, but. A ball, a rag ball tied up and threw the twine over the bow of a tree. I went in and I pulled on this ball overhead like a boxer with the punch bag or the small punch. Bag. And I came home after hours with my arms hanging from me. But I persevered and I think I became fairly good in the overhead strain. Yeah, you hurled
2: on the way to school, and we went to school a lot of the times. We went to school across the fields, and you hurled anything you see, you were swinging ahead when we hit stones and all the rest of it. But, but no, they had, no we, we, we had a half an hour to hurl at dinner time, and that was it. But then we went to school, and you'd be there half an hour before school time, and you'd hurl in that time too. But we didn't, we hurled away on the road coming home again. But that's how uh, that's how I got skillful and I know that all my teammates that's how they got skillful to hold the and the devilvil end, the, end of the house and the holding the yards and the cattle houses, and all to put them very much
4: in the picture now and that one has come in 13 and a half minutes of play and in the last minute and a half or so Christy ring has scored four points that puts the Corkmen very much in the picture one nine to one six. Wexford leading by just three points.
6: Yeah, we're sweating now, Jimmy, all right. The pressure is on now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made that a good match. That's it. right. If it hadn't happened, had, yeah, had it wouldn't have been good ago. And it's gone over the bar for the
4: point for Wexford.
1: <laughs> 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 Ratio was a special club because we had five Railway Cup players in the club in the one year. You know, and, and I think that's an achievement god, for any. Hurling no. is their god, I, there's no question at all about it. I mean, from the time you start a young lad growing up, hurling, you're out tipping around the gable end of a house or the wall somewhere, so you're always at him.
2: When I was picked first for the county uh, in November 1949, and I would have had, I would have had a, a pair of shorts, And they may have been made, I wouldn't be sure, they may have been made by my mother out of a, a flower bag. There's 10 stone flower bags and women used to make great... use them, they used to make sheets and pillow slips and all that. And I, I, I have a feeling that my mother made my first shorts out of a flower bag. I'd be nice and white be very good material but now when i was picked for the county i was of the opinion it wouldn't be good enough to crow park to go to crow park so i i went in tennis to buy a new one <coughs> and not being an expert on on cause i i was sure two different pairs and the one i think as far as i remember was two and sixpence and the other was one and sixpence. But I looked at him and I said, that to spare the money, I bought the one and one. And I can remember so well bringing it home that when my mother saw it, she said on the minute, it wasn't good. That it was very hard and stiff and it was like as if it was full of starch. But she washed it. And when she washed it, you could see through it. which wasn't very nice when you get wet. You wouldn't see through it while it was dry, but when it got wet, you'd see through it. And we didn't wear like I—I didn't wear underpants. I'd say until I was into my twenties, and no, no, very few men wore them, and. but to go to Croke Park would have pants that you could see through if it was raining. It wasn't very... <laughs> so I brought the old ones as well.
4: last exciting minutes here. one ten to one seven, three three points in at Wexford leading.
5: Tom Neville, who went on to play with the Wexford team in the 1960s, remembers the team's long journey to Croke Park in 1956. There was a feeling that this just might be their year.
7: Yeah, Wexford had to progress that time, uh, being a, foot, being from a football co- uh, county. They had to progress and learn the trade, more or less, of hurling. Not like uh, traditional counties who who from Kilkenny, Cork, Tipperary, who just rolled over from one year to the other. They had to build their own tradition. They had to learn the hard way how to win. They had to learn the hard way.
2: All of the team were getting, now the average age at this stage would be 26 and 7, I'd say. But we still felt we had enough to win. But the hunger was coming now and the pressure was coming. Our supporters were wanting us to win and
0: expecting us to win.
5: Wexford believed they were ready. Billy Rackard knew he was.
0: There's an old saying that when you can run around, you can't play. When you can play, you can't run around. And that applies. you know. There's a golden period in every player's life. That is when you can run around. You You can play and run around at the same time. The game
2: started and we started, and um, we started very well. And I think we went up five points, four or five points before Cork got a score. Like, If you were playing anyone else, you'd be saying to yourself, This is going to be easy. But while Ring was on the pitch, you were in danger. If you were five goals ahead while he was on the pitch, if he got the ball, you know, that could be the answer.
4: 14 yards out, you take the shot, and it's the goal! It's a goal, it's a goal. goal! Just listen to that excitement!
5: I, know, I never felt
2: that we were going to be beaten, though, even at that stage. Yeah. But I knew that we wanted to get the ball on the inside, and didn't sign. And we'd get something off
4: it. Cork, And that's 13 points apiece! Out comes the play into the centre of the field. Regan has it now for Cork. He's tackled by Ned Wheeler.
5: Tom Neville was a schoolboy in 1956. While every kitchen in the land was tuned to the events unfolding in Cork Park, his school was similarly transfixed.
7: We could imagine we were in Cork Park scene. Bobby Rackard and Billy Rackard putting up their hand as they used to and clearing that ball. And 70, it wasn't 70 yards; it was 120 yards, as far as we were concerned. Up and Nicky scoring up the other end. You could imagine the whole, the whole scenario. Biting her nails and the usual crack, like you know. And cheered every score. and Worried about every score the court got go and when the Ring scored on the, and the, the feet, other side of Josie Hartman or some of those fellows, you know. Terry
4: Kelly, Terry Kelly, a brother Christy Ring, Ring in front of the goal is going through. He steadies himself, he takes the shot, it's blocked by our Boley and it's cleared out by our Boley. Oh, a great clearance there by Arth Boley and by Mick Morrissey. How the ball comes out to this side of the
3: pitch. I didn't think there was a murmur, not even a whisper was announced. But the whole place for Pentupon. In it, plays a glory on and roaring as well. When saved that ball and it suddenly clear down the field, and the crowd were we'd just Kelly. never heard.
4: 50 yards out, and the high ball dropping into the goal mouth. And Arthur, you know,
9: when I was a child growing up, like I always heard it ring hit that ball really, really hard. But apparently, Billy Racker told me one time that the shot was actually slightly mishit, so that it came very soft into. Into Art Foley, and Art Foley caught the ball, cleared it down the field, and Ring famously ran in and um, and uh, shook his hand. And of course, he said, you, uh, "Art Foley had a very um, black shocker here." And he said, "You're after beating this little black bastard." How come,
4: Niki 21 yards out, take a shot and take a shot. the out to go. goal. It's a goal, and you have never seen such excitement in all
1: your life
9: fully cleared the ball, and went down the field, and it came down to Nicky just inside the 21-yard line, slightly to the right of the goal. And there's actually footage, I've seen it subsequently. There was a documentary camera behind the goal, which catches the moment uh, perfectly. And Nicky caught the ball and turned, and then he struck it with this extraordinary kind of balletic grace. Because for a big man, he had a tremendously natural kind of swing you can see the, the hurl going through the full 360 degrees rotation like when he struck the ball the hurl starts above his head and it finished above his head and in the meantime he had this the right foot comes forward onto the knee then he strikes over the ball and around through it and it just, you can see the ball actually arrowing into the net and then billowing the net behind it was just a beautiful goal and of course in that 10 or 15 seconds when the ball went from one end of the field to the other the game was kind of won and lost two the ball, now, he off,
4: two tears, ball in short, the goal now. Jimmy Brown has it now Jimmy sends it up the field and he sends it well up the field on oh, the right wing where Paddy Perry has it now 21 yards out and the ball's knocked off his stick by Mick Morrissey and there's a line ball for Cork the score with less than a minute of play as we make it is 214 to 2-8 line ball to be taken up here now by Terry Kelly very, very short one. Locked down by Jim Morrissey. Jim Morrissey's pocket the a sh- short one too, but it's added to now by Willie Rackett. Willie up along this near wing gets the ball. Tend it away up around the corner. And Matt Bowie has it now. And the referee of Tony calls for the ball. And the All-Ireland Champions of 1956. The All-Ireland Champions of 1956. Oh, Wexford. Yes, Wexford have won the title. And... Well, Croke Park has gone stark staring mad. And let me put it on very definite record that every court man on the team went round to shake hands not only to his own man, but to very many others of the Wexford team who have certainly come through a storm here in winning this game.
5: And they had won. They had beaten the county which had achieved 22 All-Irelands and they had stopped Christy Wing from taking his ninth. This was Wexford's third and finest. Nick O'Donnell and Bobby Rackard kissed the great Christie ring and shouldered them off the pitch.
2: I don't know, after, after Galway, after winning the All-Ireland, I remember Nicky went back straight to the dressing room. And he, he was sitting there and he was saying, unbelievable, unbelievable. He had won it All-Ireland. But... After beating Cork, it was so different, we felt we were the kings and we were, we were never ones for Boston. but we felt it in our hearts, we felt that we were we were
1: as far as we could get. You couldn't go any further. I suppose I was trembling at the time. I'd say my legs were shaking uh, because I had put my hands on something that every player in the country would love to do, and that's to lift the McCarthy Cup, and uh, it was life to lift, because uh, I think I had regained all my strength when I put my hands on it. So, as I said, it was my dream. I lifted my dream.
3: What was an amazing thing in life to have witnessed and have partaken in, in that, that, those eras. Beautiful. And to see the way the fellas went, hysterical, tears in the eyes, and and you think it happened.
1: 1956 was a special year for Wexford because they beat Tip in the league. They beat Kilkenny in the Leinster final. They beat Cork in the All-Ireland. They also won the Oireachtas and the Welsh Cup. And uh, most of the team played in the combined universities with the rest, you know, with the rest of Ireland. I captained the rest team, and Nicky record of the same club captained the universities and the rest. So I would say that I have a record of holding cups, because I had uh, in my position the National League, Leinster, All-Ireland, Oireachtas, Welsh Cup, and a cup for captaining the All-Ireland team. So I think that's a kind of a record.
2: The team themselves wouldn't have been great for celebrating. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have been, apart from Ed Wheeler, it'd be very hard again even to sing a song. You know, they wouldn't. Nicky (laughs) would have heard Nicky a few times sing, but no, they wouldn't be great for celebrating, but great for enjoying looking at other people (laughs) celebrating, if you know what I mean. And you really would feel, you would feel right, if so proud, coming home. Coming home on the Monday night, uh, you could laugh and cry, you know. Every crossroads with those people, those ones, one.
1: <laughs>
2: you just feel being so privileged. I've lived through those years. <laughs> no, what? It was people are dead now you know. different world really a different world it's simple
5: and the team without Bobby and Nicky reinvigorated itself and went on again to win in 1960 but what about those men—Ned Wheeler, Jim English, Tim Flood, and Martin Cod—who were the fittest, fastest, and strongest men of their generation?
1: Listening to it again, you felt that you had uh, done your duty for your county, and you know. And uh, I suppose all through the 50s, I felt that that team, along through the 50s, were very committed to their county and were prepared to. Do what, they, what do what was needed for the county. We did not all feel. Oh, that. yeah, I agree. But you see,
3: in those days, I suppose was it not the honour of the little village? That's right. Well we we had great pride when you brought that purple and gold jersey. You felt ten feet tall. And yet I thought it was a great honor to wear, especially me being a blow being a blow-in.
2: I know. As I, I well I didn't hear, it was 20 years after before I heard that record, you know. And I'd remember every stroke. I'd remember, and I listened to it a lot of times since. And uh, I could give a commentary on it again now.
6: I thought now we, we were more superior than we were, you know. We were lucky enough there a few times, did a lot of... Missed a few goal chances, like you know, which would have made a difference.
3: Oh,
6: especially the first half. Now I thought we were completely on top, but we were we were on top in scores, but on play, like it was level enough. I think. How are we getting
1: their bearings? All right. Mm. And uh, tell
3: me, sorry, Jim. Do you feel today? Do you feel old or what? I feel what? Old. Old. Not feeling. We are old, Jimmy. It's present tense, son. It's present tense.